Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Joe McCall with the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast, and I am at the car dealership right now, which is crazy and insane because my I had to bring my wife's car in. But I just wanted to let you know I just recorded a podcast, and on my phone I was recording it while I was out in the showroom area. But I just listened to it, and the audio quality is pretty bad. But uh, it was a really good interview with Sam. I just wanted to first of all apologize for my poor audio quality. It was my fault. But you're still going to get a lot of really good information from Sam, all right? So with no further ado, I just wanted to give you that quick introduction. Apologize for the audio quality and let you listen in right now to the episode with Sam Craven. All right? Thanks, guys. Hey, everybody. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. I'm Joe McCall, and I got a special guest today. We're going to talk about some cool things about how we've lost a bunch of money, something like $767,000. In 18 months, I believe, and then he turned it around into a, made a, actually a profit with this. So I'm curious to know a little bit more about that. My guest has been doing a lot of deals in the Houston market. And he's looking to expand and grow. So we'll be talking about that. But he's got a very unique strategy, very unique way to grow his business. I think some of you might find some opportunity to work with him and or possibly kind of duplicate or copy what he's doing if you're looking to grow yourself. But anyway, I wanted to let you know that on the website, realestateinvestingmastery.com, of course, we have all of our previous episodes. You need to go there now. Check it out. And um, also, we have Wholesaling 101 Mind Map, which is absolutely 100% free, no gimmicks, no catches. And on that Wholesaling 101 Mind Map, Gavin, my coaching business partner, and I walk through how to do a wholesaling deal from beginning to end with all the steps. We give away our checklists, our contracts, our postcards, our scripts everything. It's all in there. It's all in a mind map. And we have videos walking through the mind map and transcripts of the videos. It's pretty cool. So if you want that, you can get it at realestateinvestingmastery.com or you could go to flipmindmap.com, flipmindmap.com. I think you can also text the word flip to 313131. Again, text the word flip, F-L-I-P to 313131 if you're in the United States. And maybe that works internationally. I don't know. But um, you'll get a link to get the mind map, which has all the videos, all the transcripts, the mind map. And it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Why we're giving it away for free, I don't know. <laughs> In fact, I'm thinking about going back and charging like least seven bucks for it or something like that. But go and get that right now. FlipTheMindMap.com. And finally, I just wanted to ask you guys again, if you like the show, I've been doing it for seven years now. Can you believe that? well over 3 million downloads. And if you like the show, I want to ask you to leave a review in iTunes. I really appreciate it. And uh, let us know what you like about it. I do read those reviews. They mean a lot to me. And uh, so go to iTunes. You can also leave reviews at Google Play or Stitcher, wherever you listen to this podcast. I think we're on TuneIn now as well. So I'll be curious to know how many of you listen to the podcast on TuneIn Radio. All right, guys, that's it for now. Sam, Sam Craven, did I pronounce your last name right, Sam? Yeah, man, you nailed it. Awesome. You're in the Houston area, is this right? That's correct. Yep, we are in Houston, Texas. Nice. 
was just at a conference the other day and I met another investor from Houston and uh, you don't realize how big Houston is until <laughs> you've actually been there or you start talking to investors. And so this guy has been building homes and doing investing for a long, long time. And I asked him like names of two or three other people that I knew that were really big investors in Houston. He didn't know any of them. So either, <laughs> either this guy was lying or there's just, there's, it's so big. It's a big city, isn't it? We are. We're a really big market, and there's quite there's you know probably a handful of us that are doing you know over 150, 200 houses a year, and yeah. it's funny because because we don't uh, we don't compete as much as you think too. Yeah. Like yeah, we run into yeah. each other every now and then, things like that. But there's so much opportunity here that if you you know if you're doing the right marketing, if you're taking care of the clients the right way, that you know, there's still a ton of, still a, money, a lot of money to be made. Yeah. So how long, why don't we rewind a little bit? How'd you get started in real estate? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I, I feel like I got started the same way a lot of other people get started in this business. And, you know, you kind of get uh, tired of your current job or what you're doing and, and um, you start looking for other opportunity. And so for me, you know, I, I didn't, uh, if we go really far back, I never said, hey, you know, I really want to be a real estate investor or a business owner when I grew up. You know, when I was younger, I was always saying, I, I want to be a race car driver. Actually, I, I, I still say that. I still say I want to be a race car driver when I grow up. But uh, yeah. so, I, you know, it takes a lot of money to go racing. Yeah, I can't go buy a football or something like that and say, hey, let's go, you know, hit the field and I can practice. I got to go buy a $200,000 race car and then spend $50,000 a weekend to practice. And wow. so since I didn't have that kind of money, I was like, well, you know what? Maybe I can be an, an engineer or a mechanic on professional race teams. So I worked all through college. I did that. I was chasing my dream, and I realized that actually at one point I'm, I was working as a mechanic and engineer on professional race teams. I like made it to that level before I got out of college. But I was like, man, this isn't, this isn't what I wanted. I'm traveling all hmm. the time. This just this isn't right for me, and so I took yeah. my technical abilities, my engineering degree, and I went into sales. And I loved sales to this day. I still love sales, but I just didn't like who I was working for. And it you don't got meet to, too many people that make that transition, do you? Make it make a transition from engineering technical side of things to sales, which seems like a completely different skill set. It is. It's difficult. You got to find someone who really, really loves things and understands things, but also likes to talk to people, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, yeah. which can, which can be hard. I mean, uh, it was a learning curve even for me. And I like to think that I like to talk to people. So I, I made that switch into sales. And then it wasn't too much after that, that I was like, man, I'm only getting two weeks of vacation a year. I'd worked my way up to a six figure sales job. I was making really good money. And I was, I had a five state sales territory that I managed but I was only getting two weeks of vacation a year. And mm. I looked at my boss, you know, my sales manager, and I saw how long he was in the position and I know how much money he's making. And I'm like, I don't want to be there in 30 years. Um, <laughs> I can totally relate. All right. Yeah. Good. So, you know, at that point then it was like, it's research time. So I, I put my engineering hat back on and I researched and I, I figured out, okay, how can I, how can I change my life for the better, make more money, take more vacations, so on and so forth, which is, I think a lot of your listeners are probably thinking the same thing right now. They might be in that job that they don't like, and they're trying to find a way out. And that's exactly where mm -hmm. I was. Yeah. And yeah. Um, 
actually was able to convince my dad to come into business and do this with me. Now, he didn't have any real estate experience either. Um, and so between the two of us, I, I mortgaged my house, I sold a car, and he put in a little bit of capital uh, seed money as well. And we, uh, we started the business up with a $250 a month marketing budget. What year was this? This was 2012. Wow, okay. So 2012, you got a $250 a month marketing budget. Yep, which just happened to be Where the exact you... same amount that my car payment was that I sold. <laughs> <laughs> so w- how did you learn about real estate? Did you buy a book, a course, or what? Man, you know, I actually researched the hell out of it for about a year before I did anything. Okay. And I researched, 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 and then um, – you know, to my dad's credit, he made me want to go to one of those seminars, and I wound up signing up with a mentor. He and I both did. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there who like to talk down on mentors and mentorship and things like that. But it's, you know, paying for someone's knowledge has become a mainstay in my life. And I never thought mm-hmm. it would be that way before. But to be able to go to someone, who is clearly valuable, who's doing a lot of this business and pay a little bit of money to get access to their time and their knowledge is, is huge. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's actually to the point where for me and my business partner, we spend six figures a year just in educating ourselves. I was just thinking about that same thing. I, I just hired a coach the other day, a week or two weeks ago. I'm paying him three grand a month to talk to him one day a month. <laughs> You know, I have the exact same setup with a with a coach too. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah, but it's well, it's I mean, important, man, because I know yeah. it's just you return on I, you return on investment. I know with this guy, uh, he's going to help me make ten x that easy if I just do what he right. says. And and I don't yep. want somebody that babysits me and holds my hand. I know what to do. I just need what he needs or what he has. I don't have, and I know this guy uh, well enough. Like when I talk to him, and again in a month. I'm going to be flat out embarrassed if I don't have this stuff done that I said I would do 30 Amen. days ago, you know? So yeah. it's like, it's good. Yeah. All yeah. right. It's totally necessary. So who, who were, who were some of your early mentors that you learned a lot from? Um, so, you know, I signed up with one of those big national gurus. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name on here, but um, am I? You can, if you want. It's, okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. So I signed up with fortune builders. Um, nice. I, you know, I interviewed Than twice on this podcast. Oh, you did? Yes. So, so you've interviewed Than. You've, you've talked to Than. That's exactly right. He's a great guy. I've never met anyone who's spent time with him who's been like, you know what? That guy sucks. Like, yeah. you like Than. Than is smart. Okay. Than's mm-hmm. incredibly smart, incredibly personable. And his businesses with fortune builders and everything else around it make a lot of money. And I, what mm-hmm. I also like is they serve a lot of people. Um, yeah, and he he cares about that. So, but yeah, that's who I had signed you know, up with. I interviewed him twice. Anybody, you should you've got to go back and listen to that. If you just go to realestateinvestingmastery.com dot com and do a search for Than Merrill, I think you can maybe even search Fortune Builders, and you'll see those two podcasts I did. I did one of them in Prague. <laughs> Crazy, I interviewed nice. him in Prague, <laughs> and I and I interviewed him. He he wanted to be on the show again because we didn't get to t- we didn't have enough time. I, yeah. And uh, so I, I interviewed him again in Venice, Italy. I felt like this rock star. I, <laughs> That's awesome. I felt like I was this, this famous dude interviewing uh, somebody even more famous. But uh, yeah. 
yeah, it was, it was a really good podcast, and you got a lot of great information out of that. I, I should reach out to you again and just maybe do a, another interview. But anyway, good. So Fortune Builders, you got a lot of great information from them. And then what? Oh, man. And then what? Uh, <laughs> so a Did lot happened. Did you start implementing so... it? Did it take you time? Were you yeah, nervous I mean, about making mistakes? I mean, <laughs> yes. Okay. I was, I was nervous. I was scared. I didn't know what I was doing, but you know, because we had paid for the coaching, we had someone there to help guide us forward and, you know, kind of sometimes pat us on the head and tell us everything's going to be okay. And at the same time, also, um, you know, light a fire under us and tell us, Hey, you need to go execute on, you know, this, you know, this part of the training, right. things like that. And so, you know, mm-hmm. our first three, our first six months in business, we did three deals. We did like a $2,500 wholesale deal. We did a $30,000 wholesale deal and like a $25,000 flip. And that was like our first nice. six months in the business. Um, nice. But then for us too, in like, Houston, right? yeah, that was all in Houston. For us, we, we always, our goal was always to be a business. Okay. It, we don't, it's not enough for me to make money. I want to serve clients. I want to serve sellers. I want to serve team members. I want to serve the buyers. And that's kind of really what, what gets us jazzed. And so, um, you know, we made that just call it 50, $55,000, something like that. Those first six months. And instead of going out and, you know, buying a car or doing something like that, we reinvested all of that money into our marketing and so yeah. then that first year in business, I think we did 25, 27 houses, something like that. In that first year in business first, you know, well, let's rewind months. a little bit because you, you had a small little budget for marketing. How did you get those first three deals? Oh man. Uh, the very first one came to us off an advertisement in a newspaper. Okay. So you put a classified ad in the paper. Yep. And was I think in this... the dark ages, that was like, <laughs> <laughs> when was this 500 years ago? It was back no, when something, me... stuff, like, stuff like that worked. Um, I, wow. Actually, you know, okay. I know it works now. I just don't know a whole lot of people who do it too often. Um, yeah. I, in fact, I know some guys that still do ads in the Penny Saver magazines. Right. And get, you know, a couple, three big deals a year out of it. It's yeah. definitely worth it. Yeah. And then I, I feel like, so one came from that, and I think the other two came from direct mail. Okay. So you were still doing direct mail, even with a small budget. Yeah, well, and and back then too, you know, you could start direct mail on like a two hundred fifty dollar a month budget, and it actually gets somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I'm not yeah, sure yeah. that's the case now. Um, well, I can almost promise you that's not the case now with what I'm spending in direct mail now. But um, yeah, but yeah, back back in my day, we could do stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, and you know, it's it's interesting to see about that too, because a lot of people ask me about that. It's like. I think pod, I mean the I think the, the direct mail response rates are more back to normal now. Um, when back in 2012, there was hardly any competition, and that was exceptional. But we're just coming back into maybe a more normal thing. But the pendulum always swings. Right. And uh, I re- I remember people talking back when I was getting started in 2006 2007 how direct mail was too competitive back then was was was. Um, difficult, too difficult. People are complaining about it. But um, and, and so you're you saying know, in 2006, 2007, your response rates are kind of like what we see now. Uh, not as bad as what we see okay. now. But yeah, they were, okay. you know, two percent. You were doing really good if you were getting two percent back in 2006 yeah. and seven, right? Okay. And then we we got spoiled in 2011 and 2012. You're doing great if you get 
five, 6% response rate, let's say on a postcard. And now maybe we're back to 1% response rate, just general round numbers. And yeah. In some cities like San Diego, I have friends out there, they're happy to get half of 1%, 1% half of 1% response rate yes. on their direct mail, which just goes to show you, you need to be really good at the fundamentals. Like you need to be answering the phones. You need to know how to yes. talk and negotiate and sell. But anyway, yep. good. We'll get to that. Uh, you start doing deals. Uh, within a year, you did 20-something deals, right? Yeah, like 25, 27, something like that. What were most of your deals? Were they wholesaling or rehabbing? You know, at that time, we were about maybe 75% rehab, 25% wholesale. Um, okay. And, you know, if you fast forward to what we are now, we're 100% wholesale. And we can talk about that, kind of like how that transition started to happen, what worked, what didn't work, yeah, things yeah. like that. But just so our business model has kind of morphed and changed and things like that as we've grown and kind of found what we're good at. And um, one of the things I'm a really big believer in is adding value, adding value to the marketplace. I'm going to add value to sellers. We're going to add value to the people who are buying these properties. And that's, I kind of want to say that kind of stuff has come to us naturally. And so, yeah. you know, when we first started doing deals, I told you our first wholesale deal, we made $2,500 on it. That first year in business, our average wholesale fee was like four thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. And our average wholesale fee right now, I think so far for the year, it's like twenty twenty five thousand um, dollars. Nice. And so, this whole while, like we're doing these rehabs, and at the same time, our wholesale volume is picking up in volume and in average profit per deal. And, may, you know, maybe this Why is the time is that, we can, because it's about adding value. We know how to add value to our sellers and make sure, hey, this is the solution that's best for you. And we know how to add value to our buyers saying this is the right deal for you. And we and there's yeah. a whole lot of details in that too that we can dive in, you know, the appropriate time whenever you see fit. But basically what it comes down to is we know we're good at wholesaling houses and apparently we're better at it than we are rehabbing houses. Because, you know, kind of like what you alluded to in the beginning, we had about an 18 month time period there where all of our rehabs were just well, not all, but most of our rehabs were just losing us a ton of money hmm. to, to the tune of $767,000 over 18 months. So when was this? When did that happen? That would be about middle of 2017 on back to, I guess that'd be early 2016, mid 2016. Yeah, so early 2016. 2016, 2017, you lost $760,000 on rehab deals. Not just one right. rehab deal, right? Like how, no, how many deals? No, no, no. no, I don't even know. Um, I don't remember exactly how many deals. Honestly, I try to block all those out of my memory, at least the street names. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. But, but what happened? Why? How did you lose money when the market's you know, roaring back? Boy, you know, that's a really good question. I think it takes a certain amount of skill to screw it up as good as we did. <laughs> uh, okay. But so look, I can I can point fingers at contractors that screwed us out of fifty thousand dollars. I can point fingers at you know we bought the houses wrong. We took too long to renovate them. Be that the contractor's fault or our fault. But you know, frankly, anytime I try to point fingers at someone else, I got to point fingers at me. You know, it's our yeah. team that managed the the contractors. It's our team that let them screw us over it's our team that bought them wrong or sold them wrong or whatever the case is like you name it when it comes to these deals, I screwed it up in some way. So um, it's not just like one thing. It's like all of the things at the same time. 
I will say that all the deals that we lost money on were higher end deals and a high end deal for Houston, our mm-hmm. house is worth, house is worth over about half a million. Okay. So over 18 months, you lost about $767,000. You told me earlier, yeah. but you still made a profit over that time right. frame. How's that? How'd that happen? Because we got even better at wholesaling. So at the same mm-hmm. time that we had these huge rehab losses that we were taking, our wholesale business was growing in volume and growing in profitability per deal. And so we still had profitable years, even though we had this back door where just money was flying out the back doors. We were absorbing all these losses on these rehabs. Yeah. So it really got to the point, it's about early to mid last year where we were like, you know what, we, we should focus on what we're good at. Because we spent so much time trying to, you know, get these deals out the door, these bad deals, focusing on these losing deals, we weren't giving 100% of our attention to the wholesaling business, and it was still growing beautifully. And so hmm. as soon as we made the decision to focus 100% on wholesale, it's grown again, and it's growing wow. faster, and we're adding value There's to the so marketplace. Much- and- Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say it's so much easier, isn't it, wholesaling, when you compare it to rehabbing? You're in and out of a deal so much quicker. You don't have to worry about contractors. You don't have to worry about picky retail buyers and dealing with realtors and dealing with inspections and appraisals and all of that stuff, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So in, your, in your wholesaling, in the wholesaling side of your business, who are your buyers? Are they turnkey real estate investors, or are you like wholesaling them? You know, just cleaning them up a little bit, putting them on the MLS. So we do like a few of the wholesale deals a year, just when it makes sense. Sometimes when uh, we can't find a buyer for a specific property, we'll close on it anyway and put it on the MLS. But our typical buyer that's buying these wholesale properties from us are people like me and you that just want to change their life or take control of their finances or take control of their investments and either start flipping a couple houses or start doing a few buy and hold properties. You know, we service a few of the big hedge funds that come into Houston and buy properties, but still the majority of our properties are bought by individuals um, that are looking to buy rental properties or flips. And so because of that, because we know that, you know, I I know I've said it a few times, where we like to add value to our clients. We've actually created um, a, a, I don't don't know the right way to say it. So we created like a closed Facebook group for people that are on our preferred buyers list and really? we've created it. We've created the database, so everyone else likes to do the email blast or something like that to sell a property. Well, um, I found that to be ineffective because I we built up a, a database of about fifty, sixty thousand names just in Houston of people yeah. who buy properties. Yeah, you know, we send we send the email blast out. I'm happy if eight or ten percent open it, and it's still difficult to sell properties because. I know how mm-hmm. I'm programmed to look at a wholesaler's email is say, well, that's bull crap. Your ARV is wrong. Your rehab's wrong. And I get to the point where I don't yeah. open them anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we actually have a form that people can fill out on our website. And it specifically asks you what part of town do you want to buy in? How much equity do you want? How much cash flow do you want? There's like uh, eight or 10 different parameters there. And that way, as soon as we get a house that fits your criteria, my team actually calls you direct and says, according to your criteria, no (laughs) shit, excuse me, I don't know if I can say that, (laughs) you know, no kidding, right? right? Because, (laughs) because now I'm calling you and I'll say, hey, 
this fits exactly what you told me. It's in the part of town that you wanted. It has the equity. It has the cash flow that you want. When do you want to come look mm-hmm. at the house? Now, because yep. I've worked really hard at cultivating that relationship, you're going to trust me and you're going to trust my numbers. Now, I've, I've got some other things yep. I do there too, so other people trust us. And that's going to mean that, okay, I'm going to be able to sell this house by calling five people instead of emailing 50000 Nice. And now I'm making sure that the client knows that I'm on their side and I want the, them to find the right deal. Uh, and it makes our job easier. And we frankly sell for more money when I'm able to pinpoint exactly who wants the deal. Now, I take this a step further. I, I mentioned before that no one trusts the wholesalers numbers. So what we did in our company is we actually put a guarantee in place that says if we miss our ARV on a property by 10% within three months of us selling you the house, we'll write you a check for $1,000. And then we said, okay, so that takes care of some of it. But what about the people who are looking to rent? You know, Someone says, well, you say it's going to rent for $1,200. I don't see it. So what we say is we'll pay you $1,000 if we miss the rent comp by 10%. Yeah. So now, that's that's a huge amount. I mean, that that can actually make up for your lost cash flow in some cases on these properties. And so, yeah, what we did before we did that because I wanted to make sure I wouldn't be wasn't going to be writing a whole crap load of checks, is we went back and we looked at a year's worth of properties that we've sold. And then what we what's part of our normal process is once we close, we're going to follow up within three months and ask how we did. Hey, what was the ARV of the property? What'd you rent it for? What'd you sell it for? Things like that, because I want to measure how good we are. Because if we start getting off right. on that, then no one's going to buy from us. Okay. Right, so we went right. back and we, we asked all these people, hey, how'd we do? How'd we do? How'd we do? How'd we do? And we would have written the check one time. And since we've put the process in place and the guarantees in place, we've written the check twice. Um, and we're doing 15, 20 houses a month. So Fantastic. we're putting our money where our mouth is as a wholesaler. And there's just, you know, everyone seems to like to disclose, disclose, disclose and say, do your own due diligence. I don't guarantee these money, these numbers or anything like that. We know this market. Yeah, you, we know how to rehab. We want to put our money where our mouth is so our clients can trust us. Mm-hmm. That's really good. All right, so you're doing 15 wholesale deals a month. What are what are you finding is working today on the marketing side of things? How are you finding a lot of these deals? You know, I'm kind of boring with my marketing. Basics, I've got, uh, I think we're sending something like 80,000 letters a month right now. And at the same time, we're doing a lot of online advertising, so pay-per-click SEO, Facebook, things like that. And those are the workhorses of our business. I mean, we've got some other stuff that we do as well. I've got uh, actually a team in my office, and all they do is network with real estate agents and work with agents to get properties. But that's the, like I said, it's kind of boring. <laughs> but it works, right? Yeah. Yep. But it works. What, um... How much? What What does your staff look like? What is your overhead? You don't have to get into specific numbers, but like, how many people do you have that work for you? I think we're at ten right now, okay. um, counting me and my partner. And we're a marketing manager, an office, uh, a general manager, an office manager, and then the rest are salespeople. All right, very cool. So you're doing a lot of direct mail just networking with realtors, um, yep. SEO, pay-per-click, Google yep. pay-per-click. 
when it comes to the marketing side of things, what would you tell somebody who lives in Houston, who's just getting started now? Like, what would you recommend that they do if they want to get started doing deals? You know, I've had the opportunity actually with Fortune Builders to travel around the country and, and help a lot of brand new investors kind of jumpstart their journey. And yeah. I'll answer your question for Houston, but frankly, this this goes for whatever market you're in. And mm-hmm. it's pick a marketing channel, whatever it is. Understand what your marketing budget is, but your budget needs to be spending time and or money. You have to spend one or the boat, one or the other to generate the leads in your business. Okay. There's free marketing out there. You can network with agents and things like that. But if you just sit around and wait for agents to reach out to you and you're not spending your time, you're not going to get a deal. So I think if you're starting in the business, you got a little bit of money to spend bandit signs. Bandit signs are a great way to get the call, the the phone calling, uh, uh, ringing quick because you're able to generate buyer leads and seller leads at the same time. Um, I just interviewed this kid. He's 18 years old in a really competitive market in Southern Florida and um, he he has a dad who does a lot of wholesaling, but his dad didn't really help him by giving him any money or helping him except giving him some books and some courses to go through. So this kid, getting really frustrated making you know ten bucks an hour at the grocery store, he goes out and starts doing bandit signs, okay, and yeah. he doesn't know any better, and he can't afford the virtual phone numbers and all that, so he, he doesn't know any better. He starts putting his cell phone number on the bandit signs. Okay. And guess what he does? He starts answering the phones when people call him, right? He's not trying to hide behind anything. Yeah. And uh, he also did some driving for dollars and just uh, looking for vacant houses and then, excuse me, sorry, going to uh, Google and skip tracing from all the different free sites he can and just starts making phone calls. So for just bandit signs, putting his cell phone number, handwritten bandit signs, cell phone number on the signs. And then driving for dollars just a little bit on his way to high school and back, okay, because he has a car. Um, <laughs> he did like 50-something thousand dollars in his first 90 days. Just an amazing I love story. it. In a but super competitive market right. in Southern Florida. Because and anybody, if you want to go check that out, guys, uh, just, just go to realestateinvestingmastery.com and do a search for um, rags to rich or bags to riches, like grocery bags, bags to riches. <laughs> Uh, it's a great podcast. I, I was so excited hearing this guy talk about that. But yeah, you're right. It's just like, I love that. Go ahead. Go ahead. You were, you were saying some more things. That, that well, like it's like that's a perfect story because so many times like we, we want to get started in this business and we overthink it. Okay. Yeah. No one told him to overthink it. He just went out and started taking massive action. That's to, mm-hmm. to me, like people like to get hung up on what does my business card say? What's my logo look like? What's the name of my company? Things like that. Like none of that matters. In my opinion, yeah, none right. of that stuff matters. The most important thing is that you go out there and you take action. I have sent out mm-hmm. uh, uh, letters before with a phone number that was incorrect on them. I think at that time we sent 20,000 letters out and it was the wrong friggin' phone number. You know, I still bought the house from it because they looked up the name <laughs> of my company and they gave us a call and they said, hey, you know, I got this letter from you guys, but you know, the, the phone number on it was wrong. It actually ranked like a pizza place. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure they were really happy with it, happy with me that month. But um, so like (laughs) even just screwing it up and just getting the information out there is 10 times more important than exactly what the letter says. Yeah. Very good. Just take massive action. All right. So Sam, um, we were talking before Uh, you're looking to grow your business and not just in Houston, you're looking to grow nationally. 
And I right. thought this was interesting. That's why I asked you to be on the podcast. You are, you're wanting to grow, but you're looking to, well, why don't you, you can explain it better than I can. I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth. How are you looking to grow and expand your business? Well, look, there's, there's a few different ways that people have attempted to expand this business nationally. You've got your big guys, your ugly house people, you know, that have the, the caveman. They looked to expand through franchising. And all that company is now is a glorified marketing company. That's it. Okay. There's no systems or processes and how they do business and how they buy and things like that. And every market is now getting oversaturated with each person to where their franchisees are not really making the same kind of money as they were before because they keep selling franchises in that market. And then you've got the other people. I won't say who they are, but their initials are NW. And they've been expanding into other markets, and they've been successful in wholesaling, but they seem to not really care about you know, how their clients are taken care of, how their sellers are taken care of, how their buyers are taken care of, and things like that. They seem to operate on the backs of the successes and the, the failures of their students. So NW. I'm looking at this as a NW. I, I don't know who that is, but that's okay. Am I allowed to talk about it? <laughs> Anybody you want to, yeah, sure. All right, so they're net worth and new Western acquisitions, okay? They're the powerhouse okay. of wholesalers in this market in the U.S. because they have found a way to still privately own each office. I think they have like a managing partner that may have equity in each office, but they don't train their people. It's a boiler room type situation, and they don't take care of the clients because they don't train their people to take care of their clients. So. Okay. Our goal is to expand and be the largest house buying company in the country through acquisition. So I'm looking to buy and partner with people in A-class markets that have a good business. They're doing 50-plus houses a year, maybe even more than that. Uh, I've been negotiating with some people that are doing 20 houses a month. Uh, in certain markets, but we're looking to buy these good operators, these good operators that know how to take care of the clients. They have a, they don't have to have it totally systemized because I'm going to be able to come in and apply our beautiful systems to each one of these, um, these operators and grow that way. Interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's a big leap. It's kind of a leap of faith because no one is actually that I'm aware of actually acquired a wholesaling company or sold their yeah. wholesaling company. So we're really kind of forging our own path here, but so far the conversation has been pretty good to be able to do that. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because most people, when they want to grow and expand, they'll just you know pick a new market and go in and do some new marketing, maybe hire an acquisitions manager, some boots on the ground. But you're wanting to kind of leapfrog above that, right? You're looking to right. like a, like a traditional business would. Right. Acquired new businesses. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. We, we, we see value in being able to come in with a good operator that has good contacts in the, in the industry, has a good buyer's list that understands the market and be able to immediately buy, be cash flow positive, And then um, with the help of that operator, get that business up and running quickly. And then we can typically speaking, we can come in and we can apply our systems and processes and our ways of doing business, the, the good things that we bring in, the good things that they bring in, and just accelerate from there instead of starting from zero. Cool. Yeah, that's interesting. And have you, when did you start trying to do this? 
Uh, we've been going after this f- since about f- January, February. So what are we like three months now? Three months. Yeah. Okay. Are you getting good traction with it? We have. Uh, we've had a few successful negotiations. We had one unsuccessful negotiation. Had a deal fall out that was I felt really hopeful for in a very large company, but it just didn't work with one of the partners. Mm-hmm. And then you know we got a lot of other smaller conversations going on right now. So it's you know it's still kind of early. Yeah. But the conversations have been good so far. Well, this is interesting. I thought it would be a good thing to talk about for the podcast. People out there might be interested in talking to you about getting more information about that. So how how can they get a hold of you, Sam? Yeah, best way to get in contact with me is um, is to shoot me an email at sam at s e n n a housebuyers.com. That's the best way to get in contact with me. But you know what? I, every time I come on a podcast, I told you, or anything I do, I like to add value, okay? So I really appreciate you taking the time to sit with me and your listeners listening to me. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to offer up a one-hour free coaching session with someone. Now, I don't charge for my right. time. I'm not a guru. I don't do this kind of stuff. I promise you there's not going to be an upsell because I don't li- I don't do that. That's not my business. My business is in education. But I do believe if there's someone out there who maybe needs a little bit of help getting over the hump, get started, or getting from 50 to 200 houses, that you know, an hour of my time might be able to help them do that. So what I'd like to do is yeah. have your – so if you guys are listening to this, best thing to do is to go to Facebook and like and share our Facebook page. It's really easy. Senate House Buyers is our Facebook page. So Take Senna, a screen. again, S-E-N-N-A. Yep, S-E-N-N-A, House Buyers. So like and share our Facebook page. Take a little screen grab, you know, take a picture of your phone, take a screen grab with your phone, and email it to mastery at com, and that'll get you entered for the one-hour free coaching with me. And then so we'll let this uh, run for three or four weeks, and then I'll pick a winner, and then we'll set up a time to sit down and talk about it. Okay, good. Right on. And so your email again, Sam. Say that again, Sam at? Yeah, so it, for my personal email, is Sam at SennaHouseBuyers.com. So if you're thinking about selling your uh, wholesaling business or you'd like to just talk about it, reach out Sam at SennaHouseBuyers.com. But if you want to sign up for the one hour of free coaching, um, send that proof of the liking, sharing our Facebook page to uh, mastery at SennaHouseBuyers.com. And that'll be exclusive for your listeners. Nice. Okay, Senna is again s-e-n-n-a nice cool okay so sam what kind of advice would you give to somebody we talked a little bit about it just getting started what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's already doing maybe two or three deals a month but wants to really grow and expand and they're they're maybe not interested in you know being bought out by you but maybe they're open to the discussion but you know what what kind of advice would you give them to to start growing. And this is specifically, I guess, advice for somebody who's doing it full time already, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you're doing, let's say you're doing two deals a month, you're doing 25 houses a year, like you've got a little bit of a machine down, you're understanding your marketing and things like that. And you're just trying to get to that point to scale to the next level. I think one of the things that really helped us scale to that next level to go from doing, you know, 20 something houses a year to over a hundred is yeah. knowing your knowing your numbers, okay? So oh. like tracking your cost per acquisition, your cost per lead, your ROI, all that kind of stuff. Once, and we've got spreadsheets to track our spreadsheets. I mean, 
the team has done a phenomenal job of knowing our numbers. But once we were able, really able to dive deep and know the numbers like that, yeah, man, you know, the business really started to get its legs because we knew exactly where to spend the money and we knew exactly what to spend our time on and what to coach on and things like that. So I feel like if you're you're doing that 25 a month, you figured out a little bit of marketing, you need to scale that marketing up, but it's time to know how to scale it. And understanding the numbers in your business is absolutely key. What are some key performance indicators and numbers that you like to track? Okay, so I love to track um, our ROI on our uh, mm-hmm. marketing. So how many dollars in do we put into our marketing versus how many dollars to come out? And I think our okay. marketing budget this year is about a million. It's just a little over okay. a million this year in marketing. And I love to track our cost per acquisition. How much money do we need to put into that marketing to generate that deal? Those two things are going to tell us a whole lot. And I think if you're first starting out, that's just, those are some good ones as well. And then when it comes yeah. to when you're growing and you're adding team members, you need to track how many leads it takes for that team member to buy a house, uh, what the average hmm. profit margin is on that house and everything too. And so like in good. my company, I know, how many dollars it takes to generate a lead, how many leads it takes to generate an appointment, how many appointments it takes to get a deal, and um, the course of where our average profit is per deal. And so just, to, and then a ton more metrics on top of that. But it's, it's stuff like that. If you start measuring like a few of those key ones now, as you continue yeah. to grow your business, you got this whole like backlog of data that you can leverage to make good decisions in your business today. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Got to know your numbers. Yep. Very good, Sam. It's been a great podcast, and uh, I thought I think what you're doing is pretty cool. And there may be somebody listening to this that wants to talk with you. And again, your email is sam at um, senahousebuyers.com. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I <don't> <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, s e n n a housebuyers.com. So that's sam at senahousebuyers.com. If you want to reach out about potentially uh, partnering or selling your business. And then the, nice. uh, the, the email for your listeners to get that hour of free coaching is mastery at senahousebuyers.com. Very good. All right, Sam. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. No problem. I thank you so much for having me on. It's a real, real, real pleasure. Nice, nice. And guys, if you need the links and the show notes to this, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com, and just do a search for the word Sam in the search box and you'll find this episode there. It's been good. And uh, we'll see you guys all later. Take care. Bye-bye. 